If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I had always been drawn to the tranquility of nature, which is why I became a park ranger. When I was assigned to Hollow Grove Park, I was thrilled. The park was shrouded in a serene beauty that made me feel at ease. Yet there was something odd about this place that I couldn't quite put my finger on. The first thing I noticed was the mushrooms. They were everywhere in shapes and sizes I had never seen before. They had an uncanny appearance. Their oddly shaped caps and twisted stems weaving an intricate tapestry across the park. The fauna and flora seemed to behave strangely around these mushrooms. The birds would avoid flying over them, and the usually adventurous squirrels would scamper away at their sight. The flowers around the mushrooms seemed to bloom less brightly, and the grass seemed to grow less green. Soon, visitors started reporting sightings of a strange creature. They described it as a bizarre cryptid that seemed to sprout from the fungi itself. It was said to move with an eerie grace, its form undulating and shifting as it moved amidst the mushrooms. The reports unnerved me. As a park ranger, it was my duty to ensure the safety of the park and its visitors. I decided to investigate, to uncover the origins of this cryptid and its connection to the mushrooms. As night fell, I ventured into the park, armed with a flashlight and a resolve to find answers. I moved slowly, 
my eyes scanning the illuminated patches of earth for any sign of the creature. After what felt like hours, I saw it. In a clearing filled with mushrooms, it emerged. It was unlike anything I had ever seen. It was a part of the mushrooms, yet separate. It moved with an uncanny grace, its form constantly shifting and changing. It seemed to be a part of the park itself, a manifestation of the mushrooms that dominated the landscape. I realized then that this cryptid was not a threat, but a guardian. The mushrooms were a part of its life cycle, its form and existence tied to their growth. It was an essential part of the ecosystem, maintaining a balance. But something was disrupting this balance. The excessive growth of the mushrooms was a sign of a deeper problem, a symptom of an imbalance in the park's ecosystem. I spent the following weeks working tirelessly, conducting soil tests and studying the park's flora and fauna. My efforts paid off when I discovered an invasive species of plant that was leaching nutrients from the soil, causing the mushrooms and, in turn, the cryptid to multiply in an attempt to restore balance. With the help of the park's management, we implemented a plan to remove the invasive plants and restore the park's natural harmony. It was a long process, but we eventually managed to contain the situation. The mushrooms returned to their natural numbers and sightings of the cryptid became rare. The park returned to its peaceful state, its serenity no longer marred by the unsettling growth of mushroom. I often think back to that strange cryptid, a creature born of nature's resilience. It serves as a reminder of the delicate balance of our ecosystems in the strange and wonderful ways in which nature asserts itself. Myself and three other guys were sitting in camp just after the holidays getting stuff set up for the crew to come in the next week. The camp was in the middle of nowhere in the inlets of the west coast of British Columbia. Phillips armed to be exact. Anyways, all of us were in the camp house just finished dinner and playing some crib having drinks. All of a sudden, we hear the door of the camp house close and a male voice say hello. All of us heard it spooked as hell we all investigate, find no trace of anyone in the camp. The only way in was by boat or plane. Second story, not mine heard from a few old timers I've worked with. Back in the 80s, they were logging an old growth site on Indian land. One mechanic found an old Indian grave in a hollowed out cedar, decided to take the skull and bring it back to the shop. Everyone told him to bring it back to where he found it, which he did. A few days later, he was working underneath a jacked-up fat truck, and the jacks let go and crushed him dead. I've been into lots of Indian areas on the coast and have had the hairs on my neck stand up multiple times. Hiked into a lake one time and had boulders being thrown into a lake and howling going on. We got the F out of there pretty quick. I've read a few native folklore books about the coast, and they can't be wrong with what I've seen and heard through the years. My son was riding a four-wheeler in the mountains. While riding up a steep trail, he came across a very strong odor, a cross between a bear and a skunk. 
but much more obnoxious, unlike that of a bear or a dead carcass. We are avid, knowledgeable hunters, aware of our environment and the habits and smells of animals. When something is very different and out of the ordinary, we take note of it. The odor was gone on his return trip down the trail, a steep road to a tower. He said the odor, being so strong and obnoxious, made him feel a little scared, knowing that it wasn't the usual and that we are aware of the existence of such creatures as Bigfoot, though having not seen one. The weather was cool and a nice riding day. It was sometime early spring or summer, possibly around April, and in a mountainous area of few roads, but where there was a rocky road going up to a lookout tower. It was steep terrain and tall timber, and the road is not used except by those using the tower. I was driving home from the night shift at my job in Pinkham Notch, New Hampshire, in the White Mountain National Forest. It was a half an hour's drive at around 10.30 p.m. I'm always on alert for moose and bears which can pop onto the road at any time. The night was foggy and wet. Suddenly, about ten minutes from town, I noticed a movement next to my truck on the driver's side. It was a very large animal running alongside at an angle as though trying to cross Route 16 from left to right. My truck was in the way of its crossing and I swerved to avoid it. It was doing about 50 miles per hour and it kept right up for about a quarter mile. It had a full coat of six inch long silvery black and gray hair undulating, thrust its hind legs forward so fast it was a blur and pushed its long front leg or arms under its body to propel. The head was tucked down in the dark. I maintained my speed and the creature kept right up, not tiring at all. Then suddenly the movement turned into a hyperspeed blur and it launched forward in front of my truck and jumped the guardrail near a stony brook to my right. It disappeared. It was not a bear. I've spent a lot of time alone or with others in the mountains of New Hampshire and Maine with many large animal encounters. I never saw anything like this before. It opened my eyes that these Bigfoot beings are around. Now, as I hike the deep woods with my dog, I, I notice strange things like uprooted saplings, tree trunks, and roots stuck into the ground upside down, carefully arranged identical stones and patterns on the path. I have feelings of not being alone. I quietly sing and deliberately think that I'm simply passing through and that I have no desire to mingle with or bother others on the trail. I travel with my dog and a loaded 9mm pistol just in case. So far I've been left alone. I bump into hikers on the Appalachian Trail and sometimes give them a ride to town. So far no one is admitted to any encounters, but I always ask if they have noticed anything strange on the trail. I was coming back on a long hike to the ocean on our way back daylight was closing on me. I were a more calm part of the dunes and there were not a lot of four-wheelers I had this part of the dunes. I entered a small part of foray and could barely hear the faint whisper of the creek. I was glacing around and saw a large jagged rock on my left. It started drizzling and I threw up my hood blocking my side views of the scene. 
I was about halfway through when I heard stealthy pats. I admittedly froze. I had no clue what it could be. I turned around just I time to see a large furry leg slip around a bend. It was large and seemed human-like. I believe it was Bigfoot, and clearly it was not trying to harm me. I was too petrified to give chase, and I sprinted all the way to my car. Although I no longer live here, mostly because of what happened, this experience has always stuck with me, and the near thought of it leads me to many sleepless nights. Not the scariest thing, but strikes me as out of the ordinary. I used to live in pretty much the middle of nowhere in the corner of Wyoming, about two miles away from a town with a couple hundred people inhabiting it. My father had always been a very hard-working, self-disciplined man, and so he wanted me to be like him, and he would always send me out to perform chores around our somewhat industrialized cabin nearby. Within viewing distance, there was a poorly maintained walking trail near a river. We never really saw anyone walking it, and we weren't sure how it wasn't completely overgrown. This particular night, my father sent me out to water the garden, which was conveniently placed pretty far away from the house just across the trail, and so I had left the house with the water. I am a pretty tough guy when facing animals other people and real-life scares, but paranormal things have always shook me to my core. As I am traversing the lightly bushed plains, I spot a small flickering light in the distance. At first I brush it off, but I soon realize that the light was moving closer to me, and it seemed to be going along the trail. I had never once seen anything other than the occasional squirrel travel the trail, but here the light came. I decided to crouch down behind a bush because around the area most people weren't very friendly and usually had very little social interaction. The first sense was sight, seeing the light. Then I began to hear thudding coming from the same direction. The thud became a gallop and I immediately knew it was a horse. The place where I was may have been old-timey, but people didn't usually ride horses. As I am crouched in the bushes, only about age 12, I am scared to death. This is around 2 in the morning and nobody should be out, and nobody is ever really out in general around here. As the horse approached, it finally turned the bend and I see a somewhat small, pretty young girl riding the horse. She was wearing an 1800s-style faded green dress, a hat, and holding a torch. She was riding pretty fast and had been looking back every couple seconds and screaming father, but since I knew it was a young lady, I decided to step out of the bushes and say hello. Are you all right? I said. She sped up even more. The horse seemed out of control, and she just sped past, and she was gone as soon as she came. The torchlight faded out of sight, and I continued my journey to water the garden, hearing her screams for her father slowly get more quiet and fade into the darkness of the whiming forest. For some reason, little me didn't find it odd that a young girl was riding a horse alone in the pitch darkness of a wyoming forest with an 1800 style dress and a torch at two in the morning in an area with pretty much no people i was a dim child when i arrived home my dad was fast asleep and so i decided to wait until the morning to tell him 
When the morning arrived, I told him about the girl, and he said the exact same thing happened to him less than a decade ago. The same girl, same clothes, same toss, same horse, screaming father. What my dad said sent a shiver down my spine, and I will always remember the strange girl, probably a ghost, riding past me in the middle of nowhere. Never heard of it again, but my childhood friend who was in the area did say that he remembers some sort of legend with something to do with a girl and a horse. But other than that, I have no idea what happened. Maybe I'll never know. I'm not sure what to call this thing. All I know is that it is nowhere near human. If I remember correctly, my first encounter with it was when I was around 10 or 12. I'm turning 20 in four days. It's all fuzzy. What I do remember is that at the time I was, we were one in the state of California, in two playing hide and seek outside with a few of my friends for privacy's sake. We will just call them Ray and Finn. It was already pretty late, I'd say about 6.47 p.m. It was in the autumn, so sun was practically gone by this time. It was Ray's turn to seek me and Finn decided to run off together since we both didn't really like the dark all that much. The phones with lights were still pretty expensive, so none of us had one. Only thing we had was one of those old shake lights that you have to shake to charge. Anyways, it had been about ten minutes since the round started. Ray got close, but never close enough to find us. It was funny for a bit until me and Finn heard it. It sounded like a low growl. Like a wolf, but just deeper and more messed up kinda, like it was sorta underwater. I remember when we heard it. We both yelled and ran out, running to Ray. Ray, oh, uh, there you guys. Why do you guys look scared? At the moment, me and Finn were pretty scared and shaken up, and we just wanted to get out of there. We kind of looked at each other in silence, then grabbed Ray by the shoulder and guided him out, not daring to look back. And honestly, the only reason I didn't look back was because I swore I could hear it following us. We barely got any sleep that night, especially when the house was old, and just wouldn't stop making those creepy sounds you always hear at the worst times possible. I believe it was around 6.30, 3am, when I decided to try to get sleep. I went to wash my face off in the bathroom. I shit you not while washing my face, I saw it behind me. The only details I could get in that moment before I freaked out is that it had blood-red eyes and its body was like pure black. At that point I knew damn well that I wasn't going to be able to sleep, so I turned on the TV and just watched some cartoons for the rest of the day trying to keep whatever I saw out of my head. Fast forward a week, and we kinda have forgotten it. Already out in the forest playing the game once more. This time we were out till 7 or 7.25 p.m. It was around that time. I just held the shake light closed, making sure to keep it charged as I wandered around looking for Ray and Finn. But instead of finding them, I found it instead, whatever the fit was, because of how dark it was and its black body, I could barely make out any features. Didn't help that it was looming over a dead deer eating at the carcass. It didn't even care that it ate the bones as well. 
What I could make out with the light and because of the blood was that it had a reptilian-like jaw. Not like a snake or a lizard. Honestly, it was more like what you see on a dragon, yet its teeth and the amount it had were just uncanny. I was frozen with fear for a bit, but when it realized I was there, I dropped the light and ran for my damn life. Yelling for Ray and Finn to get out as well. I thought it was following me, but it was just Ray and Finn catching up to me. As we all ran inside, they tried to ask me what the ah happened, but I honestly was too scared to even talk. Just hugging them both, glad that they made it out and away from that thing. I didn't get much sleep that night as well. Honestly, I'm surprised I got any sleep, but now I regret even laying down that night since when I woke up. I was in a paralysis-like state unable to move and struggling to breathe. Whatever I saw in the forest was right at the foot of my bed, crouching down just to fit into my room, so it had to be at least eight feet, if not taller. The morning light kind of revealed that I was correct about the dragon-like face. Well, dragon mixed with a bit of wolf. I could kind of hear something dripping as it slowly inched up onto the bed. I was scared shitless and completely immobile. It got right above my face, its mouth slightly open like it was going to eat me. It just sat there like that for eternity, but suddenly it lunged and I finally broke free and yelled. After a second of just screaming, I realized I was still alive and that my mother had come to check up on me. Seeing how scared I was, she ran over to make sure I was okay. All I could do was sit there shaking out of terror, and the only thing that anything had happened was a huge print on my bed sheets. It was kind of black like ink, but was quickly disappearing. From that day on, it just kept getting worse. I had horrific night terrors, constantly had sleep paralysis where I would see him take many forms. Fast forward a half of a year, we hit our breaking point. Me, Ray and Finn are having a sleep over at my house, just playing Minecraft since it was still new, and, and we love building games. It was around 4.54 p.m. and dinner had just gotten done when we heard it. A loud thud on the roof that slowly became scratching as low demonic-like growls followed the scratching. At this point, my dad has had enough and grabbed two guns, asking Finn to follow since he was the oldest out of us three, fifteen at the time, almost sixteen. They went outside to see what the hell it was themselves and to see if they could kill it once for all. It kind of started to rain a bit when they went outside in me and Ray were not allowed near the door. Since my dad didn't want it to be able to lung down and take us, but as a minute turned into almost twenty minutes, slowly hearing them get louder and louder, practically yelling at whatever it was. I was about to open the door when Ray pulled me away and I heard two gunshots. Then three more as my dad is yelling, screaming. After a moment, he ran inside, slamming the door close and locking it, just breathing heavily. Finn was nowhere to be seen, and we kinda just thought of the worst, since Dad did kinda have a bit of blood on him. His leg was sorta broken as well, the bone was showing. Almost made me puke on the spot. Dad is kinda fine now, since he had an implant, but for Finn, we were right to think the worst because I recently learned that yes, fine, indeed, died that day. 
They have yet to find his body, and Dad just has not been the same. The next day I had to say bye to Ray, since Dad just couldn't handle being in that house anymore, and we moved all the way to Washington as soon as we could. We have been here since, but I think it followed us. On my late night walks, I can sometimes hear something following me, and my dad just doesn't want me to talk about it. The only details I've gathered from my dad about the creature is that it's nine feet tall, has dragon-like wings, wolf-dragon-like head. Its body was dripping like ink tar, and it had spikes down its back. It's hard to talk to Dad about any other details because he's just gone down a road of drinking. But honestly, I think it's back, and I'm scared. I don't want anyone to die again, and I don't want to move once more. And I get that I didn't really see it myself, but it still scars me, and I still have sleep paralysis and nightmares about it. I was in my mid-teens with a friend who was staying the night. We were looking out of my bedroom window, which was on a hill about three miles inland from the sea. This is the south coast of the United Kingdom, so had a panoramic view out to sea. You could see miles both east and west as well as out to the horizon. Clear night, you could see the sea quite clearly. I guess there was probably some light from the moon. Over on the far left, so east, about five, six red lights seemed to flicker into existence on the surface of the sea. They were quite bright, but nothing crazy. But they were moving to the right, incredibly fast, like faster than any boat you could imagine, basically streaking across. They'd sort of go one at a time in quick succession, slightly flickering as they went. They went in little bursts, like maybe 10% of the full area I could see, then another 10%, etc. My friend and I were amazed, couldn't work out what the hell they were, and kept staring. After about two, three minutes, they'd pretty much got all the way to the right. Then they all seemed to flicker out completely. Then they reappeared back where they'd started, and the whole thing started again. My memory is they completely flickered out, this time a bit sooner, and that was it. The whole thing was about five, six minutes, so there is just no rational thing this can have been to me, other than flotillas of impossibly fast boats, which I just can't see in a million years, how they could have been that given the speed and behavior, and also who the hell is doing that, with what would have to be two sets of boats at 11 p.m. at night, and coordinating it so one lot left immediately after the first, etc. The other option is someone shining lights out to sea from the beach, I guess. But it's much too big an area, and anyway, the lights were twinkling in a way that meant they were clearly shining out. And again, who the hell would have set that up for some weird five-minute display? So, yeah, aliens, I guess. Even then floating aliens. Never really heard of those, although there are some stories of craft coming out of the sea egg, some elements of the Nimitz story, all just very weird anyway. In August of 1998, I hiked into the Sky Lake wilderness to Squaw Lake to fish, 
Squaw Lake is located in dense alpine forest approximately southeast of the upper end of Four Mile Lake and reached by trail three miles from the Four Mile Lake campground. When I reached the lake, mosquitoes were so bad that I made my way to the lake shore, where an onshore wind kept most of them away from me. At the shore, I fished for a while when the wind briefly changed direction, blowing offshore. As the wind changed, I noticed a very foul smell. I remember thinking that there must be something dead in the willow thicket about ten feet on the other side of the trail, from where I was standing on the lake shore. This smell was followed shortly by a sound like something hitting a tree with a large rock or branch. This was followed a while later by what I passed off as a bird, but it was not like a sound made by a bird, more like a high-pitched howling. This sound was like the scream recorded in Ohio. This scream was followed by the tree-pounding sound again. By this time, I was becoming very unnerved and had an increasingly overwhelming feeling of being watched, and I did not want to find out what it was. So I gathered up my courage, made my way through the mosquitoes, back to the trail, returned to the trail, hid, and left the area. I was looking out a second-story window in the Sandy Inn Hotel in Sandy. I was facing the north, toward the woods and the Columbia River beyond. Before I go any further, I'd like to emphasize that I'm not sure that I actually heard a Bigfoot sound. I am mainly putting it on here because I have thought about it in depth. That's why the delay in reporting, and the only thing in my memory that has any resemblance at all to what I've heard is the past audio recordings of Bigfoot, although what I heard had better audio. I still wonder if this was a Bigfoot howl or why it would have been near a town, but I have no other explanations. I was in Sandy, Oregon with my family during the weekend of July 21, 23, 2000. We were staying at the Sandy Inn, which is just west of the main part of town. It was hard to sleep the night of the 21st. It was very humid, and some thunderstorms did move through about midnight or so. I was up several times during the night, either to shut the window, open the window, turn on the air conditioning, etc. I got up once around 3 or so in the morning on the 22nd after the storms passed, I was sticking my head out of our second-story window, enjoying some cool air and kind of looking off into the woods toward the north. There was not a sound anywhere that I could hear. No cars on the highway. Nothing. Then I heard a very indescribable sound. I thought at first it was tires screeching, but as the seconds passed, I realized a car would have to be burning rubber for a long ways. Then as I kind of cleared my head, I thought it sounded like a man screaming, or better yet, wailing. But I haven't ever heard a human do a sound like that either. It was not a moan or howling with an O sound. It was more like I-I-I-I-E, uh, very high-pitched. It won't do me much good to try to interpret the sound in letters. But the way the pitch of the sound went up and down so fast, I've never heard any animal or human do that, and I've heard quite a lot of animals. If a human did what I heard, they'd bust their vocal cords. It went on for about 20 seconds, maybe a little longer, but not sure of that. 
It did seem to kind of trail off at one point, then come back. I know it was long enough for me to get a good listen. It was not close by, either. The window faced toward the north, so it's possible that's where it came from, but I can't be sure of that. It seemed like it was off in the distance somewhere. When it started, it was rather quiet and ended trailing off in the same manner it started. Even though I was a bit groggy, it was weird enough to wake me up and even scare me a bit. I didn't think too much of it at the time, but the next morning I was thinking to myself, what was that? I didn't report it or consider that until now because I wasn't sure, and after a while I honestly had forgotten about it until something in my mind triggered it again. All I can say is, if it wasn't a Bigfoot, fine. But please tell me what it was. My wife and I were on our honeymoon in Shenandoah Valley National Park in Virginia in 2019. We were excited to get an early evening hike in as we'd just arrived in town. We were driving to a hike on Skyline Drive at around 6 p.m. in a thick mist with overcast skies. We passed a strange-looking solitary man on the road a few hundred yards before the trailhead. I made a comment to my wife about how odd he looked, unkempt, vacant-looking, etc. We hiked up 1.5 miles up the mountain to the end of the trail where it terminated at the uh, A.T. My wife stopped to pee, and we collected ourselves before we turned to head back down towards our vehicle. Out of the mist, not making this up, came the guy we'd passed on the road earlier. He was Loki brandishing one of those combination hatchet hammer multi-tools at his side. He wasn't just carrying it. It was somewhat raised. It gets creepier. He made a comment as we passed him about how he had found a set of teeth the last time he was up there. We made an awkward acknowledgement of what he'd said, nervous laugh, and then quickly started down towards our vehicle, looking back up to where we'd come to see if he'd turned to follow us. Once we were 100 feet away, we began running down the mountain. We'd stop every minute or so to listen or observe what was going on. It was terrifying. We obviously made it back to our car, but we were shook. We would read a few weeks later about how someone had been arrested in connection with a killing near that area. When we were in that area. Alaska in winter is a realm of extreme solitude and bone-chilling cold, a place where the wilderness dominates and man is merely a visitor. As a park ranger, I found solace in this isolation. But one winter, the icy tranquility of my remote park was disrupted by an unseen terror. It started with the disappearances. Sparse as they were in the harsh winter months, visitors began to vanish. The only common thread among the incidents was the frozen lake, a vast expanse of ice that shimmered under the weak winter sun. Then came the sightings. Visitors spoke in hushed whispers about something beneath the ice a shadowy figure that moved with a deadly grace. Some even claimed to have seen it rise, a silhouette against the stark white landscape before disappearing back into the icy depths. A cryptid, they said, a creature of legend, 
I had heard the native legends stories passed down through generations about a creature born of ice and darkness said to dwell within the deepest depths of the coldest lakes. They called it the Ice Wraith, but I had always dismissed them as mere folklore. As the disappearances continued, I knew I couldn't ignore the situation any longer. I had to confront the chilling reality. The park was being hunted by something unknown, something that controlled the icy elements themselves. With each passing day, the temperature seemed to drop even lower, as if the creature's icy grip on the park was tightening. The wilderness I had once found peace in had become a chilling labyrinth of fear. I decided to consult the native elders, hoping their ancient legends could provide some insight into our icy adversary. They spoke of a time when the ice wraith was a protector, a guardian of the frozen wilderness, but it had been wronged, its trust in man shattered, turning it into the vengeful creature we now faced. To appease the ice wraith, they said, one must show respect for the wilderness it guards, to prove that mankind can coexist with nature without causing harm. With a newfound understanding, I set out to make amends. I organized cleanup crews, collecting every piece of litter, every trace of human negligence. I enforced stricter rules, ensuring visitors respected the park's natural beauty. I made it my mission to show the ice wraith we could change, that we respected its home as much as it did. Days turned into weeks. The relentless cold seemed to ease slightly, a sign. I hoped that our efforts were making a difference. Then, one day, while patrolling near the lake, I saw it, a figure beneath the ice watching me. There was no menace in its gaze, only a silent understanding. From that day forth, the disappearances stopped. The park returned to its icy tranquility. The specter of fear lifted. The ice wraith, the chilling adversary I had feared, had become a reminder of the respect we owed to nature and the consequences we face when we forget it. The native legends had been right, and, and in the end, they were our salvation. Winter in Alaska is still a realm of solitude and cold, but now, beneath the ice of the frozen lake, there dwells a guardian, a cryptid born of ice and darkness, watching over its wilderness. And as for me, I have learned to live in harmony with the chilling beauty of my icy realm, always mindful of the guardian beneath the ice. This happened to my brother and I during August of 2018, and I've, I've been trying to find the right place to share it because it's the only unexplained experience I've really had, and I wanted to share. I was moving across the country from the east coast to the west coast and decided to bring my brother with me for the journey so I wouldn't be alone. He was pretty excited, and for one of our stops we planned on staying near Phoenix since he had lived there previously and wanted to see old friends. We had a late start on the day we were supposed to arrive in Arizona due to some unexpected bad weather in Oklahoma and we didn't cross the border between Arizona and New Mexico until around 10 p.m. The majority of the day's drive had been uneventful, but when we crossed into Arizona, we began seeing road signs about an escaped convict. We laughed and joked about it, and we got to talking about it. 
how kind of eerie Arizona is. I made a comment about how I could see how someone might think they could see something crazy out in the middle of nowhere. And then my brother jokingly said as long as we don't mention skinwalkers, we'll be fine. When I asked what he meant by that, my brother proceeded to tell me about how a friend of his he'd met in Phoenix was very superstitious and told he and his other friends not to even mention skinwalkers when someone had brought them up in conversation with him once. I don't think we said much more on the topic after that and switched to talking about less spooky topics. We were somewhere on Interstate 40 and seeing signs for Petrified Forest National Park, and our phone signal was getting patchy because we were out in the middle of now here. Navigation wasn't working great due to the poor signal, and Spotify was getting choppy enough we had to just turn it off. I think I may have spotted it first. Something ran over the guardrail in front of us, and I had to hit the brakes. At first glance, I thought it was a deer because it had a long neck and thin legs. But its body was also long and cat-like. It had what looked like a cougar tail, and it had an almost wolfish head with short ears. Its limbs were pretty long, and the way it moved was really unnatural. We screamed as it slowed down enough to give us a look, and then it disappeared over the guardrail on the opposite side of the road and disappeared into the desert. We screamed and then started laughing hysterically as we tried to piece together what we'd just seen. We stammered for a few minutes trying to figure out if it was, and Spotify suddenly kicked back on. To this day, I can't explain what we saw. Deformed cougar with mange is the best way I can describe it, but the experience was incredibly surreal and still gives me chills. I saw the hat man twice in one week when being depressed and very anxious. I did a lot of research and there happened to be many types of shadow people including the hat man. The first time I saw him, I was paralyzed, sleep paralysis, and was deeply frightened. Firstly, he was walking in the hallway, and before I knew it, he was standing in front of me. Although he didn't have any facial features, no eyes, I could still feel him staring at me. He did have this type of hat and was about six feet tall, pitch black. When I woke up in the morning, I kind of felt a sense of relief, and my anxiety was gone. The second time, I wasn't paralyzed and just felt neutral. I wasn't scared at all, but I wasn't happy to see him either. Both times he was watching me from the end of my bed. Never saw him since. I was 16 at the time. Now I'm 22. I don't think the hat man is a dangerous type of shadow person. He's mostly satisfied by just observing, which can still be scary, though. 